I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources for this special Thanksgiving Day edition on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. It is great to be with you today. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Elder Holland is a world religious leader, an ardent defender of religious liberty, one who has helped many lost souls the world over find hope and happiness and healing, and is truly a wordsmith's wordsmith. Elder Holland, it is great to be with you, and we want to start with the pandemic. Uh, From your unique perspective, what are the challenges and what are the opportunities we should find in this very prolonged pandemic? The pandemic has brought a, not only, uh, it's not only sobered people, I think it's frightened many people, not just for their health, not just because it's a vicious illness, uh, but because it does have its financial impact and its social impact and all these things we've talked about that uh, have taken us away from uh, each other and from things that we normally do. So I think what we've been left with, fortunately, in a blessed way, uh, in a tremendously advantageous way, is that If we haven't been able to turn here and we can't turn there, we can turn up. And uh, I hope that one thing we've all done is uh, come closer to God, that uh, we know that he does not move. He is not subject to pandemics. Uh, He can uh, not only cure that problem, but he can cure every other problem in our lives. In the midst of the pandemic, you've talked about some of the challenges, including the need to balance what governments do for public health and safety and what religious organizations should be able to do. Church President Russell M. Nelson spoke of being racked with sorrow as the church led out with very difficult decisions, decisions to close temples, to bring back to the United States tens of thousands of missionaries the world over and limit in-person worship and other gatherings. How has that impacted you and your ministry, and what does it make you reflect on in terms of religious liberty in general and the right to assemble? That's a terrific question, because it does make it very real. This is not an abstraction uh, about do we have religious freedom or not in in, uh, some sort of esoteric way. It comes right down to can I attend my weekly worship service, and can I go to my temple for very sacred experiences, when when we haven't had uh, the privilege of those opportunities for the last few months uh, as a result of this pandemic, it's really, really brought home the significance of uh, religious freedom, of the right to assemble, the right to worship according to the dictates of my conscience, and the right to let everybody else do the same. I'm as I'm as sympathetic with a a Catholic who can't go to Mass as I am a Latter-day Saint who can't go to sacrament meeting or a, a Jew who can't go to the synagogue. These are things of the heart. These are the things that make life worth living and give direction to the daily, weekly, monthly activities of our life. And uh, to be without those is to be without uh, uh, the very marrow of our bones, the marrow of our spiritual bones. 
And so, uh, yeah, it's it's made religious freedom and religious privilege very real to have some of those taken away. Now, thank heavens they weren't taken away by a despot or they, they weren't legislated away, but it's been sobering to realize how quickly they we could lose them and how much of a loss it is when I go week after week without the spiritual sustenance of a sacrament meeting or a, or a temple endowment or a, a, a comparable, uh, even our own even our own gatherings as the First Presidency of the Quorum of the Twelve. We've had to limit some of those, and that, that's broken my heart. That's, uh, that's a, a miracle in my life that I never want to part with. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, made, it, made it very real. The loss of religious privilege has uh, been very painful, and I'm not willing to have anybody take it away uh, legislatively or constitutionally. Uh, it really does matter. matters profoundly. In so many places, faith and religion is being pushed, nudged, or flat-out shut out of the public square. Throughout your life, you've been a champion of those first freedoms. In particular, you've spoken about it around the world. What is the role of faith in the public square today, and why is it so vital in our world? You're probably asking the wrong man about uh, why I would think uh, religious faith is important. I think it's the essential ingredient in our life uh, while we're here in this mortal journey. My belief, uh, Boyd, is that I'm a child of God and you're a child of God and that everybody we've ever met, everybody on this planet, is a son or daughter of God and that we came from his presence and will return to his presence. So this is just a little uh, semester away at school, you know, here. Uh, and we need to call home to dad and mom. We need to, we need to check back in uh, and know that uh, we have support from heaven. We have a God who loves us. We have angels who attend us and that uh, we're going to pass away. I'm, I'm within a month of my 80th birthday and I'm I'm running out of time, uh, and I know that I am going to actually go somewhere. I I have a destiny yet ahead of me, and it'll I hope it'll be back in the presence of of a loving God. If we could see life that way, where we had been before, and where we're going to be after this life, then uh, then I don't know how we could make anything more important than trying to be in tune with that spirit, in tune with that belief, in tune with that sense of mission. Uh, I am away for a while. I am learning some things, uh, but I'm going to return an account uh, for this life. I'm going to account for this stewardship. That's part of my faith. That's part of my belief. So to see any of that lost, to see that dismissed or minimized or or even in some cases, uh, countries are talking about constitutionally writing religion out of uh, out of our our lives, uh, collectively speaking. That's just unbearable to me. I I, I can't conceive of that uh, because that would be like taking uh, a baby's milk from an infant that's just arrived and needs that uh, sustaining strength for the little journey that that little tot is going to have uh, ahead of ahead of him or her. And that's what religion is to me. It's that milk of life. And any legislative, social, economic, uh, uh, political effort to um, rewrite uh, constitutions that have a religious element or, or even in uh, less constitutional things, just simply the halls of 
of uh, executive officers or legislative officers or judicial courts to minimize the privileges of religious faith just strikes at the very core of my existence. I, I, I wouldn't be able to function uh, and I wouldn't know what to tell my children or my grandchildren about how to live their lives. Uh, so I pray we'll always have a strong uh, sense of religious freedom uh, around the world. And I hope that religious freedom is always channeled in a direction that's constructive and helpful and consistent with uh, what I believe God is and what he has said about love, about patience, about tolerance, about forgiveness, about long-suffering. If that can be our religion, uh, boy, we'd have a lot happier world than we've got right now. Stay with us for the rest of my conversation with Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, on this special Thanksgiving Day edition of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought... There are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It's great to be with you today. And now we continue my conversation with Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Elder Holland, in your role as a world religious leader, part of your ministry has clearly been to reach out to other world religious leaders and develop friendship and understanding and opportunities for collaboration around common interests. What have you learned through those experiences? Well, it's been a wonderful experience. Part of that is my calling. Part of that is simply because we are apostles to the world. We're uh, we're members of a particular church, but uh, but that church has a global mission and so we are uh, sent to the to the world so part of that is the calling but part of it I think is my own instinct my own wish and interest I I love people uh, and I, I love religion uh, anything that I can read or study or pursue about religion seems to just preoccupy me and it has done for a long time since I was very young uh, so with that comes some of these opportunities to visit with world religious leaders, uh, those of the Christian faith and, and many who are not of the Christian faith. That's just been one of the true delights of my life. And what I've found, uh, Boyd, is that everywhere uh, there are very good people. Uh, we read in the papers of a lot of problems. Uh, we know there are some bad people, or, or at least people who do bad things. But surely in this kind of an assignment, what I've learned is how good people are. Uh, everywhere I've gone, with every audience I've been with, uh, whether it's our own congregations or, in this case, probably the question is more about those not of our faith. I'm, I've just been treated so royally. I've loved uh, the men and women that I've met. 
they continue to be friends for me. I have associations and personal relationships now that go well beyond anything we were doing ecclesiastically. So it's just enriched my life. It's just uh, uh, blessed me in ways that I can hardly imagine what it would have been if I hadn't done it, if I hadn't gone to meet these people, if I hadn't read a little bit more about their faith, if we hadn't had associations where we were brought together, my life would have been a, lo- a, lot, uh, a lot less rich. It would have been a lot less rewarding without these contacts. Elder Holland, you went from standing on a soapbox in Hyde Park as a young missionary in England long years ago to standing at pulpits in front of congregations large and small all around the world, including at the church's semi-annual general conference sessions, which are broadcast to millions around the planet. You're recognized by members of the Church of Jesus Christ and by many others around the world as one who never wastes a word or syllable in your addresses. People see you as someone who comes to those pulpits perfectly prepared to deliver inspiration, hope, and your witness and testimony of the Savior Jesus Christ. It is a testimony to the people of the world. Tell me about your preparation for those moments at those pulpits. Well, I take that very seriously because I suppose the two most important weekends of my life as an apostle, as a general officer of the church, are the general conference weekends in April and October. Now, there are other pulpits and there are other messages, and every one of them matters, but those are the ones that get to millions. Those are the ones that uh, go across the world, and I do take that seriously. We are that is the apostolic uh, ministry. The word apostle means one sent, and in our case, one sent specifically uh, by the Savior with a message of the Savior. So there, there's a there's a very real urgency and a very real spirit to that for me, and a sense of obligation, a burden. This is a this weighs heavy on my soul, and so I I do prepare as as hard as I know how. The minute one talk is over in April, I start preparing on the other talk in October, and you hope that it's still relevant. You hope that uh, that it, it still applies. Now, uh, sometimes a, a message hasn't come. Sometimes an idea hasn't been there, and uh, I've had to come right up close to General Conference before I got a talk. Well, often that's been because it was a specific message was needed that was more relevant. This past conference is an example of, of that. I did not have, early on, I did not have a topic. I couldn't get a message. Usually I do. This time I didn't. And so I wasn't able to put a conference talk together until late in the summer, early in the in the fall with September and and October bearing right down on me, but that was maybe because I was supposed to say something about the time we're in, the uh, the the COVID nineteen I alluded to, and uh, the weariness uh, that we talked about that people would feel. Uh, I had a little better feel for that writing uh, in early September than I might have had if I'd have been writing in uh, in say early June. Uh, so that inspiration comes, but it. It only comes when we work, and I start working on them the minute one conference is over and uh, in preparation for the other, other, and I go through dozens of drafts. I, uh, I am never satisfied. I play with prepositional phrases. I pray. I do pray a lot, but I also play with uh, 
just a given word? Is it the right word? Does it have the right sound? Uh, I'd sort of like there to be some rhythm to uh, to the language and something that that people aren't offended to hear. It isn't abrasive to their ear. So I, I really work hard, and my poor secretary just knows that there's going to be, however however hard we worked, there's going to be another draft. <laughs> and uh, by the time we're through, it gets to be uh, 20 or 25 uh, efforts to get it right. Winston Churchill once paid tribute at the passing of a colleague by saying, he lighted beacon fires which are still burning. He sounded trumpet calls whose echoes still call stubborn soldiers to the field. The same can really be said of you, Elder Holland. Your sermons, writings, and teachings have sparked countless beacon fires of hope and healing, faith and fortitude, courage and confidence. Your clarion and certain trumpet calls resound with your special witness of Jesus Christ, signaling to stubborn or sometimes just weary disciples to come and be strengthened by your word and by the good word of God. So finally, Elder Holland, what would you encourage those who hear your message to do? What should they do differently? What should they try to do better? If we get up every morning and do the best we can, uh, miracles will come. Uh, that's my promise. That's, that's what keeps me going. And I think that's what will keep members of the church and those who are not of our faith. We're all in this together. We're going to have a happy ending. We're all going to be of good cheer uh, because it is true. And uh, a very, very large elephant you eat just one bite at a time. So uh, that's what we try to do in establishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So wonderful work, wonderful ministry. Special thanks to Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a world religious leader of immense talent and hope-filled testimony of better days to come. Coming up next, the healing power of gratitude for this Thanksgiving Day on this special edition of Inside Sources right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.